Uh, Mihail, welcome to the To Be Named podcast. Thanks, Austin. Nice to be here. Yes, very excited to have you. I'm going to read a little bit about your company, which is um, Ancestral Cosmetics from the About page. You guys have a lot of great information there. Uh, I'll pass it to you to let you correct anything or add to the summary as you'd like, and then we can dig into some of these topics. Uh, but I'm really excited to be speaking with Mihail. He's the founder of Ancestral Cosmetics. It's modern cosmetics are designed for you to use more of them. And to be able to do that, they need to be ineffective. The main ingredients in modern cosmetics are water and glycerin, which is a byproduct of biodiesel production, which if more people knew that, I don't know that they'd be slathering it all over their face all the time. Ancestral cosmetics are highly effective in a small amount. There's no cheap fillers and a little bit goes a long way. The main ingredient is beef tallow, the purest animal fat in existence that's been used in human cosmetics for more than 5,000 years. As an aside, I've been using tallow to cook for several years, and it was only after exposure to different brands uh, like yourself and Van Man and a few of these other ones online that I realized tallow is also great for your skin. And so I personally have been using tallow with my skin, when I get out in the summertime, you get a little bit of a tan and you throw it on and it's incredibly nourishing. Uh, so in addition to the beef tallow, Ancestral Cosmetics uses extra virgin olive oil, raw local honey, and only the best essential oils. There's three different ingredient tests that Mihail can speak to, which are the ancestral tests, the natural tests, and the scientific tests. And these products, represent the ancestral wisdom of advanced civilizations that came before us, namely ancient Egypt, Greece, and Rome. There was a little tin discovered in London. It was 2,000 years old from Roman times. It was discovered maybe five, 10 years ago, and it was a cosmetics. They opened it and it had beef tallow in it. There's like a, a Guardian article on it, which is pretty fascinating. So verifiably, these these types of animal products have been used uh, for quite a long time. And we forget that uh, this ancient wisdom is written down in our genes and it's how, you know, we have evolved in synergistic companionship with the natural world. Um, one of the fascinating points that Mihail mentions and has on the website is how the majority of the cosmetics industry is captured by eight different companies. So while you may see a lot of different brands, uh, namely these eight companies are Johnson & Johnson, P&G, Estee Lauder, L'Oreal, Unilever, Shishido Group, Coty, and LVMH. Uh, and these ineffective products are full of harmful chemicals. And it's not because they're better, but it's because they're cheaper to manufacture, which means greater profit margins. So Ancestral Cosmetics is all about a return to our ancestral wisdom. They have a number of different products like uh, tallow and honey balm, uh, remineralizing and whitening tooth powder, tallow and honey lip balm, baby protective balm, lickable dog balm. And you may actually have more than that on this list now, but I definitely want to talk about uh, the product line 
And they're all made by Mihail in Ireland with local ingredients, handcrafted into small batches, tested and made with love and passion. And so Mihail, I'll pause now. I'll pass it to you. Would love to have you tell us a little bit about what it's like owning the Ancestral Cosmetics brand. That's pretty spot on. Yeah, thanks for that, Austin. It's a, it's a great, uh, great summary. So pretty much, yeah, the whole thing, I guess, started with the, with the idea to create better skincare. And, you know, that, that's kind of a cliche to say because every, every skincare brand will probably give a similar answer to, to that question. But it really started, you know, with, with my own experience, how I uh, started to change my own skincare and the products that I use for better and started to dig deeper into natural brands and natural skincare. And obviously you get a bunch of products from a lot of different brands and you try those and you kind of see what you think. You like some, you love some, you don't like some. So it, it, it's a mixed uh, experience there. But at the end of the day, I was like, one conclusion was there's a lot of these brands that are trying to be vegan friendly and plant-based and all that. And there's very few animal-based brands. So I was like, you know, when I discovered tallow, I think that was the big eye opener for me because tallow is this uh, natural ingredient, as you mentioned, you know, used for thousands of years and advanced civilizations like Egyptians and Romans and Greeks, uh, they all use tallow in one way or another, whether it's soap, creams, moisturizers, all of that. Uh, and, and, and that's that's how I kind of started the whole thing. I, I discovered tallow, I discovered what you can do with it, started playing around with different different ways to use it to create balms and, and, and different products. And, and that's, that was the start of the brand. I was like, you know, there must be a better way to do this uh, natural skincare. And tallow was the answer because it's so natural, couldn't be more, more, more natural and more clean. And it's extremely effective, extremely compatible with human skin and creates a perfect base where you can add whatever you want, you know, obviously all the, all the natural ingredients to, to create a variety of products. Whether you talk about soap or balms or moisturizers, lotions, all of these things, uh, tallow is a perfect base for those. So, so that, that was the start of the story. Uh, so yeah, that, that's pretty much, pretty much the basics, I guess. That's great. It, it's all family made, as you mentioned, you know, we, we are in Dublin, in Ireland, uh, and Irish beef is another reason why, why, you know, I went on this journey because Ireland has a lot of grass. Everything is green. You know, when, when people talk about Ireland, everyone's like an emerald isle and everything is green. And the whole green thing, that's, that's a lot of grass because it rains nonstop, which is not great when you live here and have to, you know, always, when you want to go out, it's raining. That's it. Whether summer or winter, it's always raining. Uh, but that's great for grass. It grows like crazy yeah. and it's the, probably the cheapest thing for farmers to just let their cows out and they eat the grass and they get everything they need. And it's, it's more perfect than any feed or any chemicals they, they can give them. So that's why Ireland has some of the best beef in the world and obviously some of the best tallows in the world. Uh, so, so that was like, you know, all of these things together, you have the tallow and you have the, the brands and, and kind of industry and everything. Like, let's try it. Let's, let's, let's make this into a brand, make some products, try to see, you know, what people think, get out there because that, that's kind of the best way you, you get feedback, go on the market, you know, it's, it's a, to be or not to be, so to, to see what people think of, of your product once you're out. But yeah, experiences have been great so far. People have been uh, loving the products and could be more happy to, you know, see where, where it leads us. Yeah. That's an incredible story. There was a few points that you mentioned that resonated with me that I'd love to dig in further. 
one was these labels, plant-based, vegan-based. And it's not just those. If you go into a grocery store and you look on certain food processed products, they'll say organic and natural and keto-friendly and paleo. And so we're inundated with all this information that at the end of the day, you know, it's marketing and it's positioning and it's made to make you as the consumer think that this is healthy or this is cruelty free. Um, and for moral reasons, if someone doesn't want to consume or use a product that came from an animal, I can very much respect that. But there's also trade-offs. I think that a lot of people are not aware of and not to derail us too much, but I spoke with a regenerative rancher recently and my grandfather had a farm himself in Illinois that did a bunch of corn and, and soybean. And when you walk those fields, they're devoid of life because they're sprayed with pesticides and herbicides. And so there's always a trade-off. Um, you can't create often without a cost. And so uh, back to the point that I did want to make, I went into a skincare, skin and shampoo um, high-end store. And I saw a lot of those things like vegan, plant-based, and you think, okay, these, these are healthy. I'm going to use these products. I take them back. Uh, this was specifically my hair and it, you know, it stripped it of all its minerals. My skin felt dried out and it's like, okay, just because it's vegan, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And then in fact, I want products, you know, with animals in them sometimes, you know, with tallow, it being so beneficial. And so um, I'd love to hear you, you know, maybe add to that kind of the confusing nature of these labels and also talk about why a lot of the products that are out there are ineffective, because that's another paradigm shift that's hard to wrap our minds around sometimes, which is that they're not necessarily meant to, to be as nourishing as uh, maybe we think they are. They, they've got profit margins involved and they're looking for cheap ingredients and then they're marketed in a certain way. And so uh, I'll just pass it back to you, to your side of the table, and I'd love to hear what you think. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, uh, I often thought about how uh, basically the whole agriculture, especially when you're talking of soybean and, and, and corn and all the, all the big uh, seeds, or however you want to call them, uh, it's really, it's not that, you know, seeds and seed oils and all of these things that it's inherently bad. I don't think it is. There's a good uses for everything, but I think we are overdoing uh, a lot of things because of the profit. Uh, things like seed oils in the food, uh, which are there because they're so cheap, they're so convenient, and the, 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 the big machine kind of can produce a lot of them, and they're subsidized by governments. And it's a kind of this big circle where the government subsidizes farmers who then produce more of the corn or soy or, or things like that, rapeseed, whatever it is, you know, and, and then goes into, into this circle where you need more and more of those because that fuels the whole industry of whether it's food or skincare or, or everything. I think we kind of are coming to a point where, where it's, people are starting to realize that these uh, obviously processed foods with seed oils and stuff is not good for us. It's not good for our health because this is not food that we thrived on for thousands of years before and our ancestors uh, survived on it's animal based uh, the, the history of humans is animal based we are inherently omnivores we, we, we eat meat we eat herbs we eat plants we can eat everything but but obviously the first choice for 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 humans was always meat 
and animal-based products. Uh, and the skincare is very interesting because skincare has been primarily vegan and plant-based for a long time, probably around 150 to 200 years when it was, I think Unilever was the company that kind of stopped the whole thing because say if you go 200 years into the past, it was every soap, every cream, every basically skincare product. There wasn't a lot of variety that we have today. You had a soap and you had a, maybe a cream for, for face or body and that was it. Uh, so it was all made with animal pets. They were abundant. People had their own animals. There was a lot of farmers and and, and ranchers and, and stuff. So people had abundance of animal pets. And when people started moving into cities and the whole industry started booming, the industrial revolution and all, the animal pets kind of became harder to get because now you had a lot of people in these big cities, but the animals were outside. So the, the whole industry developed to, to create and to give people more food. But at the same time, the skincare developed and the skincare industry uh, developed together with that. And as they grew and the, the cities grew and there was more people in the cities, it became harder and harder to source the amounts of animal fats that they needed to produce every single soap, every single cream, every single everything that people used from animal fats. So this is where I think the Lever brothers in UK were the, were the first to kind of start producing the soaps from uh, the plant fats, so like palm oil and uh, different different plant-based oils. Not to say that, you know, soaps were not, not to digress too much, but soaps were produced and made from plant oils like olive oil for, for thousands of years. Say, so take Aleppo soap, that's probably six, 7,000 years old, uh, the, the original recipe that was made from olive oil. But they started adding these cheaper and cheaper, cheaper oils because they wanted bigger scale for their business, which is kind of every business can understand. but I think this little kind of let's just you know change this and refine it in a in a way to create a cheaper product and to create more scale or whatever it is over time this refinement culture of making something better 1% every year or every month leads to using a cheaper ingredient every time even if it's just 1% cheaper every time you kind of go from month to month to year to year and you have 200 years into the future and you have something that, that's kind of eroded of all the nutrients and of all the benefits that, that we had before with things like animal pet that, that we are kind of starting to realize now what was the result of the whole refinement culture. And we're just starting to say, okay, you know, maybe we're, it's not all right to just use plant-based oils of pets. Let's go with, with animal-based, see what happens, you know. There must be some sort of balance. I, I'm not trying to say, you know, it's animal pets 100%, but we can we can find a good healthy balance where a lot of the things are not just made because of the profit and and to squeeze that extra extra percent of the profit margin but to 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 create a product that's you know first and foremost i think healthy and and efficient to use for for people yeah very well said it your summary of some of the history of how we got here makes me realize when we begin to look around today, it's easy to get frustrated and think the more you look into these products, why are certain ingredients there? And oh my goodness, these corporations are evil and it's a big conspiracy. But to your point, it probably didn't start out that way. These are single decision after single decision with limited consideration for where we might end up 
25, 50, 75 years down the road, uh, let alone the studies taking place. There's so many variables in health. Uh, you can narrow down cosmetics, I'm sure, a little bit more to control for um, some of these unknowns. But it's uh, maybe they aren't as evil as, as we want to paint them out to be with some of their ingredients, but certainly we had gotten away from what, what is healthy um, oftentimes, which comes from animals. And I think that's the big paradigm shift is that animals don't equate non-health. Um, in fact, there can be some really good things that come from animal products. So speaking of animal products, um, as a segue, tallow is not the only ingredient. Uh, you also use extra virgin olive oil, which of course is a plant, but also raw local honey. So I'd love to talk about how you arrived at those two ingredients and maybe some of the others, but specifically um, honey is an interesting one for me because it, it is animal-based. It's, it's almost like a superfood. If you talk to some people, uh, it's got incredible properties that we don't even seem to fully understand, but we can at least see the effects and the effects are good. Absolutely. Yeah. Honey, honey is the great one. I think, uh, how I come up with them, uh, I think my, my, my personal history is one of the things. So I'm uh, from Croatia originally coming from a, you know, small Mediterranean Island and obviously everyone has olives, everyone makes their own olive oil. So that's, that's just reality that I, that I kind of grew up in. Uh, my father was also a beekeeper when I was in teenage years. So I, I went a lot, uh, to kind of beekeep with him and I know a lot about bees growing up so I think I, I started to build that on top of all that uh, personal history when I started to research more the the natural skincare and that's how that kind of led me to 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 set on these ingredients so so honey definitely definitely a superfood antimicrobial great for skin great for food great for humans so there, there's like if you look at the tribes like Hadza and, and, and different tribes that are still active today, one of the things that they always go before the animals, it's always honey. So when, when they see a, a beehive on top of the tree in, in two seconds, and there's guys like Paul Saladino and other people who talk a lot about this and who have experienced it firsthand. And that was always fascinating to me, you know, there must be a reason why they behave in such a way. Uh, and, and honey is definitely... The, the, the nature superfood, but it's also great for skin. And historically, it's also been used in skincare, uh, whether it's Egypt, Rome, all these cultures use honey one way or another in skincare. They applied it straight to the face or they use it in formulations, but either way, it, it was always there and it was always part of both food and skincare for humans. So it was kind of a natural choice. And then when you look at the, the, the way it acts as, a, as an antimicrobial and antibacterial, uh, it, it's really great for skin. It, it does great things to the skin. And olive oil is pretty much the same. So in history, you know, whether it's my personal kind of experience growing up and seeing firsthand how it's made, where you have these like big, huge stones that kind of spin around and then crush the olives. And then you see on the, on the other hand, kind of just olive oil pops out. And it really is like that. Today, probably, uh, probably we have different machinery to do that. It's not just a huge giant stone. It's more a bit more sophisticated than that. But in essence, that's that's the whole story about good quality oils uh, like olive oil is you can easily extract them with, with even the, the primitive methods. And that's why our ancestors used them for thousands of years, uh, whether it's food or skincare. There, there wasn't really 
up until maybe a 50, 100 years into the past, there wasn't really a big difference between food and skincare in the history of humankind. So it's always one and the same. So what we eat is the same thing that we use in a skincare. So this, this whole idea of edible skincare is very interesting to me because that's the way it was for tens of thousands of years since ever humans live on this earth. And it's only the last 100, 200 years where we started to change that more and more as we, as we touched on before. So it's really, the whole idea is to return to the ancestral ways of doing things and to see what are the ingredients that are not only used for thousands of years, but also that we can verify that are good for humans, even with the knowledge and the science that we have today. So this is where I come to the, these three tests that, are, that, are, that you mentioned uh, at the start, where we have something that's ancestral. So that's basically something that's used for thousands of years in human history, like tallow or olive oil or honey. And then you have something that's natural. So it's, it's coming from nature. It doesn't involve any unnecessary processing or chemicals involved in the process or anything like that. And then finally, you have something that's verified by modern science, because we now have maybe a different insight and a lot of technology that can help us to, to kind of arrive at a better decision and, and make better choices. Uh, so that's the third one, to, to kind of verify this whole thing and verify this history and, and, and benefits for humans. So I kind of try to combine all three of those things whenever I choose any of the ingredients. But yeah, tallow, honey, olive oil, obviously the, the top three out there. Whether it's food or skincare, you can't go wrong with those. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's three tests, each cover a different basis in terms of this intuitive, natural wisdom combined with processes that we do have available today to be able to test and, and actually understand what we've known intuitively for a long time, that these compounds are healthy for XYZ re reason. So why don't we jump to some of the different products that you provide? I, I listed a few of them, but it'd be great to hear maybe what the first one was, what's the best seller, and, and what are you most excited for in terms of using those three tests and these natural ingredients for uh, potential future products as well? Absolutely. Yeah, so, so the first one, uh, that's how it all started, is obviously the, the tallow and honey balm. And that's as well the, the best seller. Uh, people just love it. Uh, and it's that that was kind of the, the thing that changed everything. As I mentioned, tallow and all these ingredients. I played a lot with, with different variations and different versions. And there, there's a lot of lot of recipes or, or processes or things that you can just see online and, and do it yourself. It's very easy to do. So, you know, everyone listening, if they don't want to buy someone's tallow bomb, it's very easy to do at home. Uh, there's a bunch of YouTube videos and guides how to do it, but it's really it, it really comes down to you know nailing that perfect recipe and perfect formulation that you want. And this is where I played a lot around to to kind of make that sweet spot for me at least. What I think is the is the best uh, tallow and honey balm, and I think I found it with this uh, with this formulation that we have. That was the first product, and then I uh, logically thought, what, you know, what could be the other products that we can offer to people. So we, we kind of, when we launched the brand, uh, we started in February of this year. So it's only been a couple of months. Uh, we went with four products. So obviously tallow and honey balm. And then we had a variation of that for kids, which is our baby protection balm and variation of that for dogs, which is a lickable dog balm. And then we had two lip balms uh, that are uh, basically the same thing. It's just a different kind of flavor with a different essential oil. Inside we have peppermint and orange. 
So those were the first four products, pretty much similar, a variation of Talo Bomb for, you know, everyone, for kids, for dogs, and, and then a lip balm specifically. Uh, and I have four kids, which is the reason why I kind of went with baby balm, which is, you know, a, an interesting one. Uh, because uh, kids, uh, people obviously want uh, what's best for their kids and what's safest. So the, the natural choice was like, you know, let's offer this with tallow and, and these natural ingredients. So our, our baby balm is, is, is an interesting product because it's very similar in structure and feel and everything to the tallow and honey balm. But we just remove the honey uh, because it's not always the best for the, for the very small kids. And we made it even gentler with, with just a different version of essential oils for the kids. So it's, it's, it's much more smooth and gliding. And a lot of people use it, adults use it themselves as well. But it's a perfect, perfect base for the kids uh, to, for whether it's, you know, diaper, uh, balm or, or cream or, or anything else uh, for the kids. And then obviously we have this dog balm and, and different lip balms. Lip balms are very, they're the hardest to make out of all. To, like surprisingly there's tiny small ones uh but uh they're great i love them I, and and this was the an interesting thing is when i started to test and make all these uh products my wife was like you know be fat on the skin she wasn't a big fan until she tried the lip balm and she she's a big uh, kind of lip balm girl you know she always has at least two or three on her and in every every jacket or every, in the car or all around the house is all of her lip balms and when she tried this tallow lip balm with peppermint, she was like, oh my God, like, you know, this, this is the best lip balm I ever tried. And that's the moment that she kind of became the fan of tallow and started to research that more with me. So, so that was the, one of the big moments in, in, in the brand history, I guess, when we, when we started from there. That's, so that's a great story. Yeah. You first mentioned tallow and someone says, okay what's tallow? I might not be aware of it, but if it's effective, I'd love to know what it is. Oh, it's beef fat. And yeah. then if they don't know, oh. you know, if they didn't know that beforehand, they kind of roll their eyes. Maybe it's going to be stinky. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but then you use it and you see how effective it is. It doesn't really stink. And you guys are also adding um, things for the smell as well. It sounds like uh, trace amounts of essential oils. And so yeah, these types of tallow-based products wouldn't be taking off if they weren't effective because all of the programming is on the other ingredients. But at the end of the day, when something is so effective that the product speaks for itself, then it can start to change people's mind and they look into it more. Uh, also, your, just a note on your products, your lickable dog balm. I have to say, I've never seen a dog balm for tallow but i'm gonna have to get that for my mom she has a german short-haired pointer uh my mom and my dad and she'll use coconut oil on its paws because it's a very active dog so he's out running all the time he's got rough paws and she'll kind of nurture him with some coconut oil but it sounds like this dog balm might be even more of a luxury premier item we should get and probably more nourishing yeah, absolutely. The dogs, dogs just love it. I think it, it's tallow. They, they love it. Yeah. And we have two dogs. Uh, so that, that's why we, we kind of went to that. So kind of, you know, a bit of what we want to use first and foremost as a family. And that's how we, we formulate the products. So yeah, definitely dog balm is a, is a variation of that, you know, to, to use on the paws or the little nose or, or something like that. Do they ever try and eat it? 
is it's animal fat all the, so. all the time yeah you can use it like a treat i've seen people like yeah. uh, using it like a treat like i have we have some friends that are vegan and like oh i'm not you know i'm not putting it on myself but they just give it to the dog as a treat or, or use it on, on the dog so yeah it's, it's a great product very cool well mihail this has been a really great conversation before we wrap up a couple things. So I want to encourage anyone listening to this to check out your website, Ancestral Cosmetics. You guys have uh, social media accounts as well. I found you through Twitter, some of the great information that you were posting there. Uh, you mentioned that you began in February. You guys are growing fast. Uh, awareness is growing is is what it sounds like. And so I'd love to pass it back to you once more and see if there's anything else that you wanted to share. And also thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for the email, Austin. Uh, so yeah, definitely give us a follow on, on social media. It's ancestral skin on all the social media sites. Uh, Twitter was the first one. I, I kind of started Twitter uh, maybe a few months before I, I went more active on other social media because that's where I'm most natural myself. But yeah, a lot of lot of great threads. I counted them the other day. It's, it's more than forty different threads uh, that I, I published over the course of a few months, uh, and then obviously Instagram and and all the other social media sites. We're, we're all there. It's ancestral skin, or the web shop, obviously ancestralcosmetics.com. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I do have one more question. So it's been really fascinating for me digging into different health topics. How much information is available on social media? specifically Twitter, it blew my mind once I started following one or two of these accounts and the algorithm starts to recommend more. People post such great esoteric health information and it's just not something that I would have imagined existed until you know seeing it. And so I'd love to hear what your experience has been. Obviously, you said you started on Twitter. You prefer Twitter with those threads, but how has social media, how have you used that as a tool to be able to both learn and also to grow the brand? Absolutely. That's a great question. I think uh, Twitter has been great for me. I've been on Twitter personally since probably 2008, 2009. So it, it wasn't even a big thing, uh, <clears throat> sorry, back then. Uh, but I learned so much on Twitter, whether it's uh, like digital marketing or, or how to make websites or, you know, all kinds of things. Like even back then, that, that's like almost 20 years ago now. Uh, and from from that time, I always stayed active on Twitter. So that that was the, the, the social platform where I was more natural. And and you're right there. There's, there's a lot of this esoteric health uh, info on Twitter and probably more than many other media sites, social media. Uh, and it's great to learn. There's a lot of threads, a lot of good people sharing amazing resources, like completely free. So the only thing, you know, the only thing you need if you want to learn or grow is just, just to get there, to get involved and to start sharing. I think a lot of people just read, probably like 90% of people just go to social media. They just read, they just like maybe, you know, now and then. Uh, but people, when you really start engaging, when you really start creating and engaging with people and discussing different things and, you know, discovering more, uh, I think it's different and, and it really kind of amplifies the learning and the growth that you get. And, and with that, the whole benefit of social media, 
because you can obviously just scroll mindlessly the whole day and, and just consume, consume. But I think the real benefit is once you start sharing, because then you want to go deeper into certain topics because you don't want to, you know, sound stupid when you when you say something or write something and then people calling you out for that. So you kind of go much deeper into research and, and, and the little things because you want to make sure to get it all right. Yeah, very well said. It changes your experience with the platforms change when you intentionally use them for education as opposed to the mind numbing letting the algorithm keep me on there without intention they're a tool for good and bad and i think it's probably something we all struggle with to some degree using them effectively because they are designed to keep you there but you can use it in your favor when you're interacting and a way to learn, finding other accounts, publishing things. And there's just a wealth of information. In fact, if someone were to ask me where to start learning about specific topics, it's not in blog posts and things. You can go that route, you know, you Google stuff, but it's really going to be more so, I'd say go to Twitter, you know, find a couple accounts, pull up that advanced search and look at what posts are getting likes with certain keywords and then you're going to find accounts from there and it's just a rabbit hole from that point yeah. but um it sounds like yeah you've had a similar experience so very cool well mihail thanks again and i'm really looking forward to following and continuing to support ancestral cosmetics ancestral skincare as you guys grow absolutely thank you for the invite austin